So the last question that we want to look at is then how to discern your gifts. So this is when we're getting everything that we've had here uh, on the ground. I've left this space blank for you because a lot of this is going to be just applying everything else we've looked at thus far. So the first thing that I think is worth mentioning here is that the gifts, and we've, we've alluded to this, so this shouldn't be new at this point, but discerning your gifts does not happen by you alone deciding what gifts you have. You going uh, into, the, into the corner of your room uh, and then praying and saying, oh, I have come out and I understand now I have the gift of this, this, and this, and just showing up to a church and saying, I have this, let me serve. That is just not the pattern for these gifts in the church. Remember, the gifts are given from God for the edification of the saints. Sorry, this <laughs> scrolled for some reason. There we go. Um, and so when we look at uh, that pattern, we say that not only is the gift given for the edification of the church, but the church also can confirm these gifts as they exist or as they come up. So the, the gift, uh, if you're deciding what gifts do I have, that can only, let's say, ultimately be confirmed by the body of believers. This is not something you can decide you have, and if no one else agrees with you, you're still right. This is in submission to the authority of a local church. So then the question is, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it like that. <laughs> the question is, how then do you decide uh, what, what it is, what gifts you, how do you even start down that process? If you don't know what gifts you have, or you've never been in a church serving long enough for someone to say, I think you're gifted in this, or um, how, how do you do this? You, you go to a local church, you get involved and you start serving. And then as you're serving, you will start to figure out what you are gifted in by God's grace and what people confirm in you. And you'll figure out what areas you're not gifted in because either people will tell you or um, it will become obvious to you that you don't like this thing. So you, to, in order to figure out what gifts you have, you don't go online and find a test. You go into the local church and you begin to serve. And through that service, the gifts become increasingly obvious to you. In the same way that when you and I were children and we learned how to walk, we didn't first get a diagnostic, diagnostic lesson from our parents saying, this is your hand, use it to balance, this is your arms, these are your legs, you have to walk this way. You do it, you just, you just start walking, you fall a few times, you see other people walking proficiently, you go it up again, you try it, and over time, you exercise, and eventually, you're able to do it. Not because someone told you that this is something you have and now all of a sudden you can do it, but because you, you begin to try it, you, you get, it gets messy, and then all of a sudden you're able to begin to exercise the gifts, you begin to hone the skill if you like, because while there are gifts given to the church, there are also gifts that can grow through the use and the service and the practice of those gifts. They're not like natural abilities where you can hone them by breaking them down into their component parts and then building them up. They're gifts that you can use uh, to serve the church and in serving the church, you hone them and you grow them and you invest in them and, and subsequently they grow in you as well. So you have to serve in the church um, and when you serve, it becomes clear where those gifts fit in. And I think another thing to this regard, if you're asking the question, how do I discern my gifts? One comfort that we have in scripture is every single believer who has the Holy Spirit in them, so every believer, has the gifts. It's not a question of, am I gifted or am I not gifted? It's a question of how am I gifted? And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Remember, we said earlier, you're a part of the body as a fact, not based on whether you feel like you're belonging to the body or not. In the same way you have a gift as a fact, not whether you feel like you have gifts or not. Often we can become very self-conscious and say, well, I don't have a gift to the measure that that person has a gift, so I must not be gifted in anything, right? That's a very, one, it's a very introspective way to think. And the other thing is we com when you compare yourself to someone else to evaluate your gift, a lot of what you're doing is you're, you're letting pride and envy and jealousy get into the mix 
and you're not saying, how has God gifted me in his wisdom and in his timing to benefit his church? So we have to ask the question of uh, assuming that we all have them, right? And this is in, in several places, Romans 12, 6, Ephesians 4, 7, 1 Peter 4, 10, and 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all say to each one, as is gifted to each one, to, e- to every single person, to each one is the gift given. So these are not gifts that are broadly given to the church and some people pick them up, some people don't. Everyone is given gifts for the edification of the body. So, and then I think maybe another safeguard to this regard is you can ask the question again, um, okay, what if I'm becoming aware of my gift? How do I grow it? How do I uh, nurture that gift? And well, one of the things you can do is you can begin to use that gift more regularly in your local body. And once you are aware of what that gifting is or what that, let's say, you're suspicious of it, concentrate on that thing and focus on it and pour into it in the same way that uh, if when, you're, when your body's developing and growing, you start in the stem cell phase and eventually your body specializes all of its cells into various functions that are beneficial for the body. But before that differentiation becomes clear, it's truly a cell that could do whatever. And then as the specialization becomes clear, what happens is there's mechanisms that say, no, 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 go more and more and more into being a hand or being an organ seller, the cells begin to almost lean into that specialization to the point where they're now useful and functional for the body. And as believers, we need to do that same thing with our gifts. We can't, if we're suspicious of a gift, stay generalists as if that's somehow going to be good for the body. We have to be able to lean into and pour into each of these gifts. So what that looks like is if you're suspicious that you might have a gift of uh, mercy or service, begin to, in some way, shape, or form, serve in the local church, and begin to apply that gift. And then over time, it will become clear to you, either through the confirmation of other believers in the body, or through the fact that you really enjoy this and you love and, it, and it's working and, and people are growing and being edified by this. Now you're onto something. And now you don't wanna take your time doing a bunch of other things that you thought might've been gifts. Now you wanna lean into the gifts that you are certain that you do have. In the same way that the church uh, in the New Testament, when the apostles know that they're apostles, they say, we're not going to wait tables. We're, not, we're going to pray and we're going to teach people the word. These are things we're going to do. Because they know that this is a gift that they have that not everybody has. And because they have it, they need to nurture it. They need to grow it. And they need to invest in it. That doesn't mean that pastors shouldn't uh, serve people and, and make sure that they're also doing mercy ministry. But that means that the modern idea of a pastor who does every single thing in the church is a terrible idea. Because the pastor is not predominantly gifted in ministry uh, of mercy often. And so if a pastor is spending his full time doing mercy ministry and studying the word and preaching and counseling and you name it, all of a sudden you have a generalist no longer gifted in any one specific thing and not nurturing any one specific gift. So that's why there's a plurality of elders. That's why all members of the body are needed. When we hire out gifts, we, we totally uh, subvert the pattern in scripture. In scripture, the, there are some people who serve in a pastoral role. There are some people who serve in a deacon role. There are some people who serve in, in acts of giving. There are people who serve in all kinds of ways. And all people need to nurture those gifts. And, and you, when it becomes clear to you what your gift is, you're doing the body a disservice by staying being a generalist. You should lean into that gift and use it to build up the body. So all of us have these gifts. All of us can, as we grow in maturity, become more aware of them. And I think the, this question was asked earlier, um, can a gift, let's say, be given and then taken away? If you have a gift at one point in life, can that eventually disappear? Uh, I'll hold the option open that that's possible. Uh, we don't have enough New Testament evidence to say one way or the other, but I think the better evidence in the New Testament suggests that once someone is given a gift by God, 
this is in God's design and in his plan, the thing that they're going to use to build up the church. That this is not something that goes in and out of season, that someone falls into a gifting and out of a gifting. In a, in a world where we like change, we like to sometimes justify, oh, this was a novel idea for me. And so I was doing this for a while and now I'm doing this for a while and now I'm doing, but in the New Testament, you have someone who leans almost like heart, mind, and soul until the day of their death into something. And so once you become aware of it, lean into it. And if you burn out of it, it probably means you weren't gifted with that. And so I don't think that gifts kind of come and go, although I'll hold the option open. That's more of me speculating, not necessarily scripture testifying. And I want to distinguish between the two because I want you to search the scriptures, not just take my word for it. And so then I think the last thing on um, how do we discern our gifts, uh, it's the section that I didn't get to earlier, but I'm glad we saved time for it now, which is 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to turn there and kind of give the dominating, or dominating uh, rule of the church, if you like. The church is laid on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, uh, the apostles and the prophets. We've already looked at that. But what is the rule of the church in terms of how do believers all interact together with all these different gifts? And I'm going to read uh, just verse 1 and 2 of chapter 13, and I'm going to skip down to verse 4. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic power and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Verse four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Verse eight, love never ends. So if you're looking at the rule of the church, the thing that governs all of these gifts, it's edification of the body and love really determines if this is edifying or not. We talk, the question was asked earlier, can gifts be abused by people? Certainly. We have, for examples of this today, where someone is gifted with exhortation and they abuse that gift to the point where they're no longer exercising it in love. They're now exercising it in terms of lording over people, authority and power and getting people to obey their will. This is the reason pastors get disqualified sometimes. They lean into that gift so heavily that now they're no longer being regulated by love. They're just, they're just jerks. <laughs> and you can get the same thing with someone who um, has the gift of discernment. Sometimes the gift of discernment is not exercised by any restraint of love at all. And then you have people who, unless someone theologically aligns with them in almost every single doctrine that they agree with, they will make videos and write books and write articles about the fact that this one is a heretic and the church should stay away from them. And these people are not helpful often. Sometimes they're helpful. Usually when they started out, they were pretty helpful. And then as this is something they lean into and they have no love that's regulating this practice of gift, and there, there's not any church that's calling this out in them, then all of a sudden they become almost abusive and they, they can get great followings because uh, the controversy drives a lot of the media. But that doesn't mean that they're exercising a gift just because they have a following. And again, the local church is, is the governor for that. Um, and you can abuse gifts of mercy. You can, you can say that mercy is the end all be all of the gospel. And this is the mission of the church. And then churches can abuse gifts of mercy by saying, this is better than any preaching. This is better than any edification. This is better than any doctrine. That's how you abuse that gift. And all of a sudden you have a church that's a social network and it is a mercy ministry, but it's not a church anymore. And so you can abuse those gifts as well. So all of them in, uh, in at, as, the, as the Lord gifts for the edification of the body, but you need both diversity and unity in your gifting.
So because someone you're close friends with has a different gift than you, doesn't mean you have that gift. You might actually be surprised at how varying, how, how wide of a variety you can get even within people who temperamentally get along with one another. In natural gifting, that wouldn't make sense, but it's a spiritual gift given by God, not given or trained by people. So it doesn't depend on temperament. Often it's in spite of temperament that someone ends up doing the gift that they're doing. You can have people gifted in the church uh, who are uh, CEOs in businesses and have administrative powers. And then when they come to the church, they serve in the children's ministry and they babysit people's kids and they change diapers. That is a possibility in the church. And it's a wonderful picture of how crazy it is when spiritual gifts come to play because they, they do things and they call things out in people that aren't necessarily things they practice in the world. It could be. It could also be the nurse serves in that same role and they're changing diapers on adults during their workday and then on children uh, when they're serving in the nursery. But these, these things, uh, it depends on, on how the spirit gives it. And then I, I think, so I've, I think I've exhausted uh, some of these questions. I just wanna make sure I hit up the big ones before we uh, close out our time. I think I addressed spiritual gifts test. You need to discern this in a church. Um, this list is not exhaustive, um, but it is, I think, a good, uh, it gives us a good range of what we can say is or is not a gift. Um, you can have them initially, I, I think I said this earlier, but uh, that doesn't necessarily imply that you must be able to lose them as well. Um, they're not necessarily learned, they're given by God, but that doesn't mean you can't train them by serving in the church and growing that gift. And then uh, the other question is, is it limited just to Christians or can someone without faith have this gift? I think it's limited just to Christians. It's given from the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, for the edification of the church. There's just no reason why someone who's not a Christian would be used to edify the church. The church is edifying itself. If it's part of the body, it can build up the body, but there's not any exogenous members that come in to edify the body. Um, I think I define cessation and continuationism. If not, I'll take that as like an after discussion. Um, can they be abused? I think I just answered that. Um, I think I've distinguished between gifts and talents, maybe thoroughly. If not, and you have questions that are not on this list that you're now curious about, um, I will save those for later. But I'll close this right now in a word of prayer, and then we can get into that fun Q&A time. So. Father God, I thank you for this uh, time that we've had together this evening. What a blessing it is to have fellowship and, and community, uh, to uh, build one another up through, um, through the teaching, through uh, growth and study and examining the scriptures and examining your word. Lord, I pray that we would be uh, like the Bereans, uh, searching the scriptures to see if what is taught is in those texts of scripture. And I pray that if for each and every one of us that that would be the case, that we would not just take words as they come to us and believe them at face value, but we would examine them, examine all things, and ask the question, is this really what scripture teaches? Is this really what your word has for us? Lord, I thank you for the fact that you have gifted your church. You've built her up. You've preserved her through your spirit. Thank you, God, that you are a God who gives gifts to your church. Gifts that we don't deserve, that we could never possibly make on our own. And yet you are pleased to do so, to keep her and to preserve her until you return. Lord, we thank you and we glorify your name for that. We pray all these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen.